0: Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship.
1: The Bible reading is from Ruth chapter 3 and verse 1 to 13 and then from chapter 4 and verse 1 to verse 17. One day Ruth's mother-in-law Naomi said to her, My daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for now. Boaz, with those women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume, get dressed in your best clothes, then go down to the threshing floor. But don't let him know that you are there until he's finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he's lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet and laid down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned, and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corn of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after a younger man, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I. Stay here for the night and in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as a guardian redeemer, good. Let him redeem you. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down there just as the guardian redeemer he had mentioned came along. Boaz said, Come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took ten of the elders of the town and said, Sit here. And they did so. Then he said to the guardian redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belongs to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here, in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me, so I will know. For no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. I will redeem it, he said. Then Boaz said, On the day you buy the land from Naomi, you will also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this, the guardian redeemer said, then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. Now, in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and the transfer of property to come final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. So, the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself, and he removed his sandal. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, Today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elamalek, Kilion and Mahalot. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Mahalot's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property, so that his name will not disappear from among his family or his hometown. Today you are witnesses. Then the elders and all the people at the gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home, like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the family of Israel. May you have standing in Ephrath and be as famous in Bethlehem. Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, who Tamar bore to Judah. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The woman said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you, and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The woman living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David.
0: So the last time I spoke on Ruth, we looked at some key issues from the book. Ruth was faithful to her mother-in-law leaving her homeland to follow this mysterious grace that Naomi's name suggests she has. Yet Naomi is bitter and broken by circumstances. She's lost her husband and her sons, and she has to return to her homeland with nothing. She wants to change her name to Mara, meaning bitter. However, we learned about God... That circumstances may change, but they do not change God. He still has a plan for us, even when things seem utterly broken. So we've heard the next installment today, just by chance. Ruth, this foreign woman, a Moabitess, works in the fields of Boaz, who is clearly a noble man. And he's rewarded Ruth's faithfulness to her mother-in-law. He heard about her selfless actions and instructs his harvesters to provide for her without embarrassing her, as we see in verses 15 to 16. Women had little standing in that culture without a man. So this gives her protection against being mistreated in the fields. And this introduces an image that will feature significantly in chapter three, that God will care for those who come to him. And we see the first point where the story seems to be taking a turn for the better. Naomi, who was so broken that the people of her hometown didn't even recognise her upon her return. As we saw in chapter 1 and verse 19, they said, Can this be Naomi? She has the beginning of hope. Ruth has just come home with an ephah, about 22 litres of barley. This mother-in-law asks, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Now, Naomi isn't able to plan events. She simply doesn't have power over them. But she sees that things are beginning to go the way she hoped. As Ruth replies, she worked in the field of Boaz. And Naomi replies that this man is a relative, a kinsman-redeemer, So just by chance, she was working in Bowers' field and just by chance, he is their kinsman. Now, kinsman redeemer is an odd phrase. It actually translates from the Hebrew term as nearest kin or next of kin. In this culture, a woman without a husband or son couldn't own property. Without a son, her land and money would be passed on to the next male relative. She would be powerless and penniless. It's imperative, therefore, that these two vulnerable women have a male to protect and provide for them, even allow them to keep their land by creating a male son, an heir with one of them. Now, the idea of redeeming was cultural practice in Israel. If a husband died, it would be the kinsman redeemer's responsibility to provide for the family, to marry the widow, take up the land and give them a future. It was very positive for the women involved, as the kinsman would be expected to marry and provide the woman with a male heir. The kinsman would then have no right to the land. But the woman could then run the land until the son was old enough to take it over. Go, Israel! If we compare that with English culture until recent generations, if a man married a widow, he would have all the property, all the land as his own to do as he wished. So this whole kinsman-redeemer idea would have been very positive for a woman. So Ruth follows instruction, stays close to the servant girls in the fields of Boaz for the remainder of the harvest, Hoping this kinsman redeemer will do something. Now we start chapter three with a sense of wondering when things are actually going to get happening. The scene is set. We are over the bitterness and the heartache of their return. We know this Boaz guy who's clearly a good man is a relative who could redeem them. What's he waiting for? Clearly he hasn't read the romantic comedy manual. He isn't doing any chasing. He doesn't seem to have a grand plan to sweep Ruth off her feet even. In fact, the harvest would have taken about seven weeks. So time is passing. Now, prepare yourselves. This is where the book of Ruth gets really shocking. Now we get to the really second surprising bit of the whole book. Of course, the first really surprising thing was the monumental decision Ruth made to go with her mother-in-law. Where you go, I will go. And she gave up everything to follow Naomi. She was all in. But this passage is a bit risque, even for today. We can picture the scene. Naomi is starting to wonder if Boaz is ever going to take up his position as redeemer. She's too old to start a family again, so she is understandably pinning her hopes on Ruth. She instructs the woman, young woman to wash and perfume yourself, put on your best clothes, not to wear the mourning clothes of a widow she probably would have been doing. Then she gets seriously saucy. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you are there until he's finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. Now, in the first week when I met Mike, I thought I was a bit forward, but I had nothing on Ruth. Mike and I met in 2008. We'd been skiing together for a week. We got on really well. I out-skied him wherever we went. He seemed to be impressed by that. We discovered we had loads of mutual friends in common. But, oh, so surprisingly, he made no real action to show he liked me. I know, you're not surprised. So I decided, again, you won't be surprised, to take matters into my own hands. And on the last evening, I made myself look pretty. I cornered him on the landing of the chalet. I told him in no uncertain terms that I liked him. And if he liked me back, he had to ask for my number. I still had to wait about a month before he got hold of me. Impatient does not begin to describe it. Now, Naomi. She was even more forward in her intention for her daughter-in-law. Let me relabel Naomi's description. This could otherwise be called the most awkward first date ever. And the guy doesn't even know he's on it. The threshing floor was a place of work during the day. But in the evenings, it was a place, as we see in Hosea 9 verse 1, where all kinds of naughty shenanigans would go on. Boaz has been winnowing, which is the final step in the harvesting process. And it is party time. They're going to have a well-earned celebration. Naomi has told her daughter-in-law to make herself attractive, nicely scented, and to go and wait until he's had a merry time, take the blanket off his feet, lie down, and wait for instructions. Whoa! Hold on a moment! That is a seriously forward first date! And Ruth agrees. She is amazingly obedient to mother-in-law. Naomi seems to be telling her to shame herself, To put herself in a position where she could be used for sex and he would have no obligation to marry her. He could demean her, forget her, she would still have nothing. It even says he is in good spirits and goes to lie on a pile of grain. Now in fact in this culture a servant would lie at the feet of the master and help protect the grain overnight. But Ruth, as a foreigner, must have found these ideas somewhat strange. But she does what Naomi says, and then when he's startled, she makes clear her intention in verse 9. I am your servant, Ruth. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kinsman redeemer. She is absolutely clear. She is available for marriage. He is their relative. He should do the right thing. And Boaz respects Naomi and Ruth. His loyalty to Naomi is clear in verse 10. I will do for you all you ask. All my fellow townsmen know you are a woman of noble character. He realises she is doing this for her mother, not to get a casual sexual partner. She hasn't been chasing after the guys. And he is willing to redeem her, but he knows he needs to go about it in the correct manner. There is a closer relative than him, who he needs to speak to first. The next morning he gives her more barley as a sign of his continued respect and Boaz goes off to the town gate to await the relative. Now again, let's go back to that awkward date. At the end of the night, Ruth has said she's available, she's ready for things to change and he still has to wait. Isn't it so like God to make us feel like we are constantly waiting? We want things to happen in our time. Chapter 4 shows us Boaz and his closer relative sitting down by the town gate with the elders. Boaz suggests this unnamed man buy the land and take on the inheritance. This guy is completely up for it. I will redeem it. He assumes Naomi will be too old to want any more kids and he'll get the land for his kids forever. Result? Of course he's happy to be the kinsman redeemer. I'll take that land. Oh yeah. But then comes the crunch point. Boaz has offered the land which is up for grabs. There's no heir. He mentions the sticking point. That the land comes with two widows. Boaz states in verse 5, On the day you buy the land from Naomi and from Ruth the Moabitess, you acquire the dead man's widow. A foreign and young woman? Oh no, hang on a second. You didn't mention there was an immigrant in this situation. He backs off rapidly. Uh, I, I think actually not. If this Ruth expects to have kids and a son, then that kid would have rights to the estate and he would have some rights to my own land that I've got over here. Uh, uh, perhaps not. So he does the normal thing when you're getting rid of an issue in the ancient Near East. You hand over your sandal. Deal sealed. Buy it yourself. So Boaz announces to the elders this legal transaction's taken place and he will do the right thing. He takes Ruth, marries her, and she has a son. Boaz doesn't benefit from this marriage culturally. He is giving Naomi, not even Ruth, a child. And the women living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. And he became the father of Jesse, who became the father of David. This son is seen as Naomi's child, And he will be heir to their land. Now what is this book really about? Well, four things. Firstly, God is always at work behind the scenes. Have we ever felt so angry at circumstances? At our situation? That we wanted to change our name? To start afresh? Because this life was gone? And this is a book about God without us realising it, working his intention out to support us and show us his love. This book barely mentions God. Characters mention him. But instead, we see the repeated phrase, as it turned out, just by chance. The writer uses humour in the Hebrew to show us that they didn't know God was there, but he was. They don't even realise God is working. Have you ever wondered if God is even working in your life? Secondly, we have a role to play. The book of Ruth doesn't mean we can wallow in unhappiness and wait for God to come along and change things. This isn't a book about sudden miracles occurring and everything being fine. It's the opposite. God works through us and through others. We are still being asked to make active choices. It is God's will and human action together. When Naomi wants to give up, she still has something that attracts Ruth. And when we are broken, we may still be showing others God in our lives. Don't discount yourself when you are broken. Ruth saw something in her mother-in-law. She was faithful in doing her bidding. She was loyal. She gleaned in the field. She collected grain. She was rewarded for hard work. She was honest with their kinsman-redeemer. She wasn't passive or silent. And Boaz was loyal to Naomi. He knew this younger woman was respectful and good. He respected Naomi so he didn't take advantage of her daughter-in-law. He respected Naomi... So we wanted to make things right. We have a role to play. Thirdly, we all need a Redeemer. We all need Jesus. We all need to lie at Jesus' feet. It is so tempting to secure ourselves, to find worldly outlets for security, tell ourselves we are okay, but we can come to Jesus when we feel really low. We can be honest, as Ruth was honest with Boaz. We can lie down, we can be vulnerable at the feet of our Redeemer and say we are ready to be changed. We're ready for our circumstances to change. And he won't misuse us. Our Lord has a plan for our life. As Jeremiah 29 and verse 11 states, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Ruth was seriously forward and honest with Boaz, and he works things out the right way. It may not be our timing, but don't give up. Fourthly and finally, everyone is included. The genealogy at the end of the book is wonderful because it shows that everyone's included in God's plans. The broken, the foreigner, the nobodies. No one's excluded. You are included in God's plan. He has a plan for your life. A broken widow and a young foreigner both fall in the line of the greatest king in the Old Testament, David. Boaz, father of Obed, Obed, father of Jesse, Jesse, the father of David. And we know from the New Testament that Jesus, redeemer of the whole world, is in this line. God takes these nobodies and makes them more important in the history of the world than they even knew. And if God can do that for them, then perhaps he's doing that in you. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about Abergavenny Baptist Church, please visit our website at uk